0: For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand.
1: Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Helen. And I'm (laughs) Mel.
2: Hello, ABGs and ABBs. It's officially spooky season with temperatures cooling down in some places, and Halloween is celebrated here in the US in October. Since late summer, people have been getting
3: into the sweater weather. That's hard to say. (laughs) Sweater weather. Sweater weather. Mood. (laughs) Fall chill hop playlists have dropped, marketing emails have pushed fall messaging, and so many horror movie previews are out there now, which I am not watching. But naturally, fall has gotten us into a spooky
1: mood.
2: This episode, we'll be sharing some of our memorable, creepy encounters with
1: people and the supernatural. Ooh, supernatural. Maybe now is a good time to say that this episode may not be for the easily scared. We'll definitely pepper in some funnier, less scary stories, but just in case, we'll try to let you know when things take a scarier turn in this episode.
2: So I guess I will be kicking us off in terms of the creepy stories. Um, Okay, so... My story revolves um, a person, a creepy person. Okay, so story time. Um, So I actually went to community college before transferring into a university. And when you go to community college, you actually encounter a lot of different people. Um, People that decided to go back to school, people that are fresh out of high school. So just like a hodgepodge of people. I remember in my class, I walked in and was very... In awe, of like oh wow, this this group of people—they're very diverse. And I remember seeing like an older man; he was probably in his like late fifties, early sixties. And I remember telling myself, like, Mel, college is a place where people want to learn. It doesn't matter about their age, their background, whatever. So I was like very open-minded and very open to making friends of different backgrounds. So naturally, I befriended this dude because uh, he was also in multiple classes of mine, and we definitely built like, a, oh hey, did you study for this? Oh cool! Like it just felt very friendly. Like I didn't feel any like weird vibes. Next quarter I found out he was also in my math class and this is when things for me started to feel very uncomfortable. In my math class he started passing me notes like written notes and at first I was like okay like I don't understand maybe he just maybe because he's older he's not used to like how we socialize you know it's very different Mm. but the letters would say things like they're kind of harmless They're like, hi, Melody, I just wanted to let you know that I spent this weekend um, flipping and I learned how to do a cartwheel and I did yoga. It was just like very like personal updates. And at first oh, I was just random. Like, it just felt very like I don't understand why you're telling me this, but OK, like you could just talk to me after class. But I think the letters started to increase in volume. And I just started to get really uncomfortable because I just felt kind of creepy. Like, I don't know. I just didn't know his intention. He didn't say anything crazy, like I want to like take you out or anything or like anything like borderline harassing. But I just felt like there was like this comfort level that did get crossed. Maybe he mentioned he wanted to take me out to dinner or something, but I just remember being really creeped out by the situation. And like, you know, how like we just get like kind of like women's intuition about things. Mm-hmm. I had the feeling that, there was some kind of romantic interest, and like I just felt really creeped out. And I feel bad because I don't want to feel like say like I was judgmental and be like ill like you creepy old man. I want to talk to you, but I think for me there's a level of like understanding like social boundaries of like if I'm not expressing romantic interest, you shouldn't be like giving this back to me. And like you're asking people in our class to pass me notes, it's very uncomfortable. And yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of women out there, especially that have encountered like creepy maybe like pursuits from maybe men, such an heterosexual like dynamics. I don't know. But that is my creepy story. I think after that, I told my teacher and I just kind of, I just stopped ignoring him, like rushed out of class. And after that, I did not see him. I think he added me on Facebook and I denied it, but that was my creepy person story. Ooh. So you ended up just ignoring him and then he stopped sending you, passing along these notes to you and
3: was just out of your life.
2: I think from what I remember, I mean, I was also like, only like 18 and 19 so i feel like i didn't even know how to approach the situation like all i knew to do was like Mm -hmm. tell the teacher and have them help me but i felt like they didn't even help me at all so i didn't know how to handle it you know Mm -hmm. but i don't know i also feel bad feeling creeped out you know what i mean yeah, because you can't
3: tell exactly what his intentions are. But I feel like with these things, it's always better to err on the side of safety for your own safety, especially if he has more information from you because he knows where you're going to be every, you know, every time mm. you guys have a class together. Oof. I know. I'm surprised he
2: like- told the teacher.
1: Go, Mel. <laughs> was, was he passing notes to you directly or would they get passed to you from other people they
2: would get passed because w- I wouldn't
1: sit next to him. He would
2: like pass mm. it in between us. So for me, I'm like, dude, this is so awkward for the people that have to pass these, me, note- these notes. Yeah, yeah. And there's one time he like tried to like rush it to me. And I was like, this is really uncomfortable. Like mm. I'm obviously not receiving the notes really well. So why do you keep doing this? But it also reminded me of very old school. Like they pass notes in class. I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe. But yeah, I just felt really uncomfortable. I think I feel like nowadays I might be able to like be vocal about setting my boundaries more clearly versus back then. I mean, this is like, This is like 10 years ago. So I'm like, I don't know. I was, I wasn't as comfortable and confident back then, but Mm. that was one of my creepy experiences or I would probably deem creepy. I'm sure you two have very um, interesting stories that might've taken you both outside of your comfort zone. I feel like you guys traveled a lot. So I'm just very curious to hear your spooky stories. Okay. Well, I can't, I don't know if this is
3: exactly a creepy story, but it is a travel related story that I'm happy I survived. (laughs) Hmm. So, as uh, some of you out there know, I worked abroad in Gurgaon, India for about three months to train up our evaluation team. And honestly, I loved what I learned about myself from that trip in India. I've never been anywhere else in the world where I just felt so challenged and out of my comfort zone, but also like in touch with myself. It's like being in a circumstance where you're pushed to your limits and you learn how to channel your inner calm, which I for sure did in this situation. So... When we were sort of looking at the outline for this episode, I was actually reminded that I had so many questionable decisions that I made as a young woman during this trip. This was in 2015, so I guess it's not too long ago, but seven years ago, I was in my mid-20s, and honestly, I was like, I could probably fill up a whole episode of sketchy situations that young Helen got herself into, but I will tell just one. For for this section of the podcast. Okay. So obviously when you're traveling abroad for work, you're gonna take advantage of the weekends, right? And go on quick two to three day trips. On one of my free weekends, I decided to take a weekend trip to the Himalayas, to a lake town called Beamtal. I remember there was like it was so remote that I searched for an ATM for like two hours so that I could buy dinner, because it was only cash in that area. And I ended up not being able to eat dinner and went back to the hotel room and just ate the free apples that were in the hotel room. Very remote, very peaceful, very mountainous too. And then on the way back to Gurgaon, which is close to Delhi, there was only one flight back that day, which was my flight back. And I had prearranged a cab, he picked me up, we were on our way, 40 minute drive to the airport, we would have been 20 minutes early, which is great. We then hit dead stop traffic, like people were out of their cars, chilling on the roof of their cars. And mind you, this is like a very mountainous region. Imagine these like huge mountains with only one road along the side of the mountain. And everyone is walking around trying to figure out what's going on and going to the front of this traffic jam. And my driver, He also barely spoke any English at all. So here I am trying to communicate with him and saying, like, hey, can we find another road? And he just kept shaking his head. He gets out, walks to the front of what's going on, and comes back and gestures to me that a part of the road is just completely gone. Like avalanche down, no way to get across, and also no shortcut on these mountain roads to get to the airport. So I start crying. Can you just imagine yourself in this situation? I start crying. I start freaking out because I have nowhere to stay, no cash on me. I have no access to internet or phone service in that region either. And he just sees how terrified, like utterly terrified I am. And with the little English that he knows, he goes, don't worry. I'm like... Uh, okay. Aww. And so what he does is he gets in the car. We both get in the car. He whips the car around facing this one-way traffic. And he starts driving on the edge of this mountain, forcing cars to basically move closer to the mountain and aside for us. And our car was like tilting. It was leaning over <gasps> to the right and almost falling off the side of the mountain, but like tilted just enough so that it doesn't. And then once he gets a little bit of leeway, he fucking like guns it too. Like, I'm not even kidding. I felt like I was legit in a GTA like game or something and I will say that people in India are some of the best fucking drivers out there because there's so much speed so much traffic no one follows the traffic lights and I have no idea how I never saw one car accident my whole time in India because everyone's always honking speeding and like getting within an inch to each other but they got some like hyper reaction time or something and able to like swerve away from one another so once we got out of the one-way road situation and there were two lanes of traffic going in opposite directions, once our lane hit a little bit of traffic, he would swerve onto the other lane going straight towards oncoming traffic and neither cars were like slowing down either. And he would wait for like the last second before like swerving back into our lane. And it was just like the most insane car ride. And it's also a very mountainous region with a lot of like winding roads. So I, was, I literally thought I was gonna die. I literally literally thought I was going to die. But he really wanted me to to make this flight. And he kept saying, I have daughters. I have daughters too. And so, yeah, right. And and what he had done or he was trying to do is go like the long way back. Basically the road that circled all the way around the other side of the mountain in order to try and reach this airport. Um, And we literally get there and I see my flight take off. It's like in the movies. It just takes off. It's in the air all hope leaves my body and I have nowhere to stay. We're already like 40 minutes away from where my hotel was. I can't pay this man to drive me around anymore. And after maybe like 10 minutes of trying to figure out the one sentence he was trying to say to me, I realized he was offering to drive me eight hours back to Gurgaon. eight hour drive. And he asked me where I was staying. I showed him the phone number and address of my hotel. He called them and they talked on the phone for a while. And then he came back and he said, let's go. And it turns oh my out, gosh. yeah, it turns out he negotiated with the hotel to pay 9,000 rupees, which is about $110 in USD for him to drive me back, which if you just think about it, it's just like the kindness of strangers is incredible. Like he was just so compassionate towards me. He could have easily just dropped me off at the airport. And instead we drove eight hours in the middle of the night through India. And it was also just like the craziest ride that I've ever been on I was awake for it the whole time the roads were always bumpy never flat still going at fast speeds and there were like horses and carriages and bikes and motorcycles and wagons and cars and it was just like so insane that I I realized I only whipped out my phone for one picture and that was it because I was just in awe for like these eight hours the whole entire time and then we would like stop at gas stations and he bought me a bag of chips because I didn't have cash. So we would just sit there in silence, like eating the chips together and then giving him a little bit of a break and getting back into the, into the car. Um, and then at the end of the ride, he ended up dropping me off at a gas station and he exchanged a white envelope with someone for my from my concierge, the 9,000 rupees. And basically it felt like ransom money. And I like <laughs> went into the hotel car, back to the hotel and then went straight to work after that. Like it was crazy. Cause I was like on an all night endeavor to get back home. And it was just such a humbling experience. And I'm very thankful that I'm alive to tell this story, but it was just so, so insane. I feel like usually I'm the type of person that will like whip on my phone and be like, oh my gosh, this is like such an experience. But like, it was such an experience that the phone did not come out. I was just yeah. like in shock the whole time. But yeah, that was my not really creepy story, more like glad I survived this travel story. To tell it story. Definitely a
1: scary scary story. Oh my god. Yeah. 8 hours of I mean uh-huh. I I also I think I can bear I can just barely imagine like s- that moment when you realize like oh my god I- we can't get through and when you said you just start bawling it's like I would feel yeah like I feel like I'd have like a panic attack mm-hmm. like what the fuck. <laughs> There's
2: so many moments of that in your story. I'm just like I never heard this before. It's just kind of crazy because I know you're in India and then I mean the fact that like even the whole like being stuck on the, like the mountain, he was like, "F this, we're gonna turn this around." Like, I could only imagine being tilted over. You're like, "All right, I want to say my prayers now because I have no idea what's <laughs> gonna happen." And then even getting there and be like, your plane takes off. Then I'd be like, round two of like devastation. I'm like, "What the hell do I yeah. do with myself?" An eight hour drive is not a quick drive. It is like, not. It's and crazy. It, is, it,
3: it was like in the middle of the night too. It was all night, and I got back like butt crack of morning and like napped for maybe an hour and then went straight to work so thank i'm like oh, i wish i had this guy's number was able to like send him something as a thank you but it was the, like the, the very few things he said to me was just like let's go we got this i have daughter too and i was just like oh, my-
1: like such Aww. kind people yeah. yeah thank you stranger my god yeah seriously bless that man yeah That's a very long story.
3: No, no,
2: it was it was very like on the edge of my seat. Like, oh my god! Okay,
3: well, I would love to hear. I know, Janet, you have a story also from when you were in. Was it France?
1: Yeah. So funny that your travel story happened in 2015 because mine was also during that period. um, in the summer of 2015, I had just gotten an offer for a new UX job, and the nine months prior to that, I had been, you know, really buckling down and going through that like 10-week boot camp, and then went straight into months of job hunting and interviewing. Um, and then also worked a bit of a contract role. So I decided that I was gonna schedule my start date a little later and I booked a two week trip to France with my very good friend, Kristen, um, who is based in the Bay Area and uh, we traveled quite a bit abroad together and she is this like uh, fierce little Asian girl (laughs) and the two of us have gone all around the world. Um, This time we decided to go to France So we booked um, a 10 day trip to Paris, Aix-en-Provence, Nice, and Cannes. And through this 10-day trip, we were staying in a combination of hotels and Airbnbs. So um, I think anyone who's traveled abroad knows that Airbnb is like amazing. It provides you, um, you know, great alternatives to hotels, but also at the same time, when you're in a foreign country, an Airbnb is hosted by a local and potentially there will be different cultural misunderstandings and language barriers. Well, um, our last leg of the trip was uh, Cannes, and Cannes is a European beach town, and this was in the middle of summer, so it was super, super hot, and we had basically, like, spent the day, um, I don't remember, I think we, like, took a taxi in from somewhere, and then we were walking around with our luggage, and because our trip was so, like, short and compact, we weren't able to check into the Airbnb first, so we actually ended up, like, kind of walking around with some of our stuff, like, going to different restaurants and checking out different shops. Um But we had been messaging with our Airbnb host for that night throughout the day. And, um, you know, we learned that he actually was staying in a a neighboring town, so he wasn't in town. It was not easy for him to get to the place to open it up for us. Um, So, you know, we're walking around during the day and around sunset after dinner, uh, we message him and realize that there's been a miscommunication. And he thought we were actually checking in the day after. At this point, the sun is setting. We are like exhausted, drenched in sweat and just like, you know, want to go to bed. We have our luggage with us. And uh, we messaged him. We're like, no, we are here now. Like literally we're on the beach with our luggage with nowhere to go because he also didn't give us the exact address yet. Hmm. Uh, And then it started to get dark and his messages started coming less like it's like it took him much longer to like respond. Um, and he wasn't answering right away. And we were so tired at that point of just walking around. We like plopped in the sand on the beach um, and just like left our luggage there. We're feeling, you know how like when something is like when you have been walking around all day and it's so hot, you're like almost a little delirious. Mm-hmm. So we're like sitting on the sand and I'm watching the ocean. And I'm like, oh, this is like gorgeous and nice. But also it's getting dark. I'm in a foreign country. Like, are we going to be homeless tonight? <laughs> And so we literally sat in the sand for like two to three hours waiting for this man to respond and started to panic because we're like, where are we going to sleep? He finally messages back and he says, "Okay, he drove in from the next door town and he's finally here and he gave us the exact address to meet him um, and he can let us in. But because he is staying, his home is in another town and he's driven this far all the way to let us in. He has to spend the night at the Airbnb with us.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) at this point we're like okay at least we have a place to stay um and it kind of made sense I was like okay he drove from out of town he had to have somewhere to stay but there was still a little bit uh, I was like creeped out but I also we couldn't say anything or do anything and so we like brought our stuff in and there was like basically a small side room and he kind of went in there and just closed the door and was like we knew he obviously was like pissed off at us because like it's like our fault and he didn't want to leave people like these two girls like stranded. Um, But he like kind of closed the door behind him and we had our bedroom door. So we closed it. And the next morning he like left before he woke up. But I just remember walking in and like the lighting in that Airbnb was not working very well. And it was already like so late at night. We're dragging in our luggage. And I was in such a heightened state of panic for hours of just feeling like, oh, my God, we have nowhere to sleep. So in that state of mind, I was like, even more paranoid and I seriously was like having restless sleep and like weird dreams and was like dreaming of of him like coming into our room and like he's gonna like kidnap us and all this stuff and I woke up the next morning and he was gone so it was like obviously none of that real but just that whole experience also made me just like kind of be a little hesitant with booking Airbnbs. Um, not necessarily because of him, but it's like miscommunication can happen versus if we book a hotel, I feel like you can talk to the front desk, you pay for an extra mm-hmm. night or whatever. But when it's an Airbnb host and it's like not like a straight kind of thing like that, um, you could be stranded <laughs> or come in very late. So yeah, that was, that was one experience where I just remember being in such a state of like fright Um, And discomfort. um, And Kristen and I were obviously like kind of both freaked out and like pissed at each other for no reason. (laughs) Um, But we survived that. And, you know, I'm sure I have a feeling uh, like some of our listeners probably have some stories from traveling around, too. So um, I'm curious if anyone has ever had something like this happen with their Airbnb. So if you have, like, mm-hmm. share share your story with me. But yes, uh, in Cairns, on in the beach town of France, uh, I was locked out and about to sleep on the beach for the night. <laughs> Oof. I think that's one thing where
3: when I was traveling, and maybe this is just for when you're traveling solo, but I would not book an Airbnb for myself. I think yeah, for yeah. the same reason where you mm. s- there's so much unknown. And you, like... I have had so many shitty Airbnb situations in Europe, even with like with someone else there. And if I was by myself, I would be just like, there's no way. So if you're traveling alone, maybe the lesson here is to book a hotel room Mm because you do have the safety of just being in a hotel. Um, But oof, that is, I'm glad nothing happened. Yeah. Glad nothing happened. But that is weird when your Airbnb host asks if they can stay Stay. with y'all. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yep. That's a big no-no. Actually, I had a couple of questions with this. So when he says he's a a town over, like, how far is this next town over? Like, is it like a 30-minute drive? Is it an hour?
1: Like... Yeah, it was hard. It was hard to communicate. And at that point, I think we also just felt bad for making him drive out to, like open or like to to like let us in. So yeah. we were kind of just like, okay, fine, whatever. Like <laughs> we have a place to stay. Mm-hmm.
2: But I think for me also just like when you book on Airbnb, you see the dates you you book for. So I'm just like, how did you get that wrong?
1: Yeah. You know I, mean, I mean, there was an error. I actually don't even remember at this point who's, who was ro- like wrong with the dates. Mm. But either way, it's like it's too late, right? Like you're there yeah. and there's a misunderstanding. So but um, but yeah, all all ended well. Um, Mel, I'm curious if you have some stories where um that either involve like traveling or just kind of being out of your comfort zone and being in a different place.
2: I feel mine is like traveling, but not really. So my story comes is about like coming back from a trip. So I just is really random, but I feel like the older I get, the more like claustrophobic or like feeling trapped in certain spaces. I'm more like paranoid than I was before. So. I was coming back from a trip and it was, we, I'll be honest, I've landed back in LAX. And this is around the time where I think COVID is like the, the travel restrictions were kind of being lifted, still being lifted. And but they're still like people are wearing a mask and just trying to like still be safe, practicing like safe protocols. I get it when your plane lands and it's still finding its gate. Like you just stay on the plane. I get it. But we were like stuck on our plane at LAX for a while. And I was like, dude, this is taking so long. And then sometimes like the air stops working. You're just like, dude, I'm like literally stuck on this plane with hella people. And I'm like starting to freak out. Finally, my plane finds its gate. And as we're deplaning, they're like, OK, everyone has to get on this bus. We could take the bus to your terminal or whatever. We get on this freaking bus. And I, I remember I was really shocked because they were like, everyone, pack the bus, pack the bus. I'm just like, this is still COVID times. So why are you having us pack the bus? Like, This is, doesn't make any sense to me. Get on this freaking bus. We were literally outside the gate, like the sliding doors to get inside the airport. They will not let us get off the bus. And I was like, I don't understand like why we can't get off the bus. Like, I think it's just for safety. They didn't want all of us to like, rush out like the, the airplane tarmac, whatever. Is that the right word? To get into mm-hmm. the, the airport. I remember everyone around me started getting really freaked out. Like, everyone's, like, can you at least turn on the AC? Like, whatever. This one girl literally was, like, about to faint. Mm. And I remember when you see that around you, you just start freaking out internally. You're, like, you start feeling every, like, the walls are closed in on you. And I remember I was right next to the window. I'm just, like, all right, Mel, just, like, look outside. You're literally, like, you're literally there. Like, it's fine. But it's just, you feel this, like, creeped out feeling inside of you. You're, like, I feel very, I feel trapped in my body now, too. And I'm, like, literally, like, I'm about to push everyone to get the F out of this bus. Like, I can't do this. And then I, this is when I start like medit- meditating to myself, like start breathing and start like literally have to practice like mindfulness or else I legit would freak the F out. And after the situation, finally after like 25, I think we're on that bus for 30 minutes. They finally let us out. And I looked at my friend, and I was like, legit. I think I would have like, I think I would have lost myself in there. Like it was crazy. And so that is my, like, I guess like outside of my comfort zone feeling, um, also really want to blame the airlines to be like this is just poor organization like this is just like this is so stupid like I remember I was like this is really bad like you should not be having us jam-packed on this bus without having us be able to like be able to leave or at least open the damn window like this is just not it was more like anger on my part like what the hell man like we don't feel comfortable like this girl's about to freaking faint and I'm about to faint if I see her faint so that was just my story I don't know if it's a creepy like external but it's more like sometimes it's a mental you're like
1: oh crap like you're yeah. battling your mind, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like for if you, if someone is like claustrophobic or if you're mm-hmm. afraid of heights, like it is a mental thing. So for someone, who, what if, I mean, I wonder if she was probably claustrophobic. So she's like losing her shit, you know? Yeah. I don't this know. This is when you pull that emergency button yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> be that's, like, fuck y'all, I'm getting out of
3: yeah,
2: here. Yeah. And have the, the windows like pop out. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's true. I mean, I didn't think about that. Maybe I should have. Next time. I'll be, I hope there's <laughs> next no time. next time. No next time. Yeah. Yeah. I do have one more story to share Ooh. evolving like outside comfort zone. And this is actually my last story for this, I guess, like segment it is probably the most creepiest. Mm. Okay. And it revolves being followed. That's like, the sh- that's like the creepiest feeling ever. So I was back home for the holidays back in the Bay Area. And I was, I remember I was driving back from like a friend's like get together or like a holiday party and it was pretty late at night it was probably around either like past midnight 1 a.m whatever and so the streets are pretty dark pretty empty There's still stoplights I was at a stoplight probably like five minutes away from my home like my house I noticed that the car behind me is following my every move and sometimes you had this thought you're like oh you're just, are we going the same place or the same direction or you're actually following me usually they're just going the same direction they make a turn and you're like fine this car, every turn I make, every stoplight I hit was right behind me. And I was like, progressively, the closer I got to home, the more freaked out I was feeling. And at the same time, my, my family is asleep. Like, no, like, there's no one. Like I was like, what do I do? I think as I was approaching, I was at the last light of my house and I noticed this guy is still behind me. I was like calling my brother. I was like, wake the fuck up, wake up, get up right now. I need you to like to open the freaking like open the front door light. I need to make sure that this person knows that there's someone home that he can't they can't follow me, whatever. And I remember I was feel like I was racing against the clock because my brother wasn't responding and I was like getting really freaked out. So I think when I was about to turn, he finally responded. He's like, what's what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He turns on the light and as I literally drive into my driveway, the light turns on. And as I drive on my driveway, the car that was behind me parked against on the other side of the street, like parked. And I was just like, uh, my brother comes out and I just, I didn't know what to do. So I get on my car and then I think we just like, I think once he sees my brother comes out, I don't know if it's he, the car drives off mm. away. And I remember I looked at my brother. I was like, I don't know what the hell just happened, but that car was following me. And then I went back and I was like feeling, feeling really freaked out. And I think my, I told this story to my friend, my friend's like, Mel, I don't know if you should have drove home because now they know where you live. But I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I think for me, it's like, how do you even deal in that situation? Like, what do you do when you're like, it's like 1am. Do I go to a friend's house? Like, do I like risk like being driving alone in the dark still by myself? Or do I go home and like be like, Hey, save me younger brother. I don't know if you can't protect me. But, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, what do you do in the situation when you're being followed? Because, I mean, do I call the cops? Like, you know, like, what would you guys do?
3: I feel like if that was the case, I was like, oh, you could drive to, like, a grocery store, but if it's 1 a.m., very different. Mm -hmm. I think I would have probably gone onto the highway, tried to lose them, and then called my sibling to, say, meet me, like, meet me somewhere where it's, like, brightly lit or something, Mm -hmm. you know? And then we can like drive together home. I don't know. I, I yeah, I, I think going to your I don't think I would have driven home. Mm-hmm. Although he never or she never showed up again right at your door, but that yeah. is a very creepy story. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think cause it's hard cuz like especially when you live in the suburbs, there's nothing that's open and brightly lit. Like I don't know where to go.
1: Yeah, yeah. And remember I was thinking like it closes at like 10 p.m. too, Yeah. Right? yeah. And I remember
2: I was thinking in my head I was like, "Oh my god, I haven't been back home in a while. Like, where the hell do I go? Like, I don't know where to go." Mm. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I think I also would have tried driving um, to like if not the highway, like maybe local streets, and just try to keep like making turns and around, and then try to try to get them to like to lose them, and then if not, maybe try calling like the cops or something like that. Um, Drive straight to the police station. Yeah, (laughs) let's go. (laughs) Let's get out. Let's hang
2: out. (laughs) The crazy thing is, like, I know where the police station is in my city, and it's actually even Mm. creepier because it's like in this like. it's in this it sounds like it's really like close to our library but the library at night is fucking creepy because like
1: Mm.
2: it's pitch black and it's like kind of like a roundabout and like this sounds really dumb but like i because i try to go there one time at night i don't know why um but then all the geese start come start chasing you because they have a light (laughs) so anyways um it's just hard to like sometimes i think about like when you're in these like situations like you're panicking like what do you do like what it's just like your mind goes like oh like it's not like Mm -hmm, thinking as mm -hmm. like clearly you know right
0: Mm -hmm. right. so it
2: makes the situation even more creepier
3: yeah yeah well we're glad you're safe from that scenario that could have ended very differently so yeah
2: i'm happy all three of us are safe after our stories
1: Yeah. yeah Okay, for our listeners who are not into supernatural stories, this is a forewarning that this next section, uh, you may want to fast forward. So let's get right into it. Helen, start us off with uh, your supernatural horror story.
3: Okay, this one is not that bad, so stay, stick around if you want to. <laughs> okay, um, honestly, I hate scary anything, scary movies, scary situations. I am not a fan. I will always say the last scary movie I saw was The Ring, and that will continue to be the case. Yeah. For a long time, and that was a long time ago with the ring. Um, But in my childhood home growing up, I don't know why that's already creepy. My childhood (laughs) home. My mom liked to have a lot of plants around the house. Ooh, not scary. And as many of you do in your own homes, when you have plants, you probably like to keep a base underneath your plants to catch any remaining water or dirt or whatever it is. And my whole life, there were pieces of wood or... Something that was under these massive plants that were like floor to ceiling and they never changed when I was in high school, I carefully looked at one of the pieces underneath this bamboo like looking like plant I don't know what it's called but it was a Ouija board
1: oh I hate those things <laughs> <laughs> and I
3: feel like I feel like Ouija boards had just become a thing when I was in high school. I know it's been around for a long time but it had picked up in popularity. But this one had been in my house for almost 18 years. Mm. So, and it wasn't like one of those fancy new ones, obviously, that you buy at like a Target. This is like an old school, legit looking Ouija board. And I asked my mom where she got it from. She didn't know. I think my sisters and cousin, we took it out and we tried playing with it once just because we're stupid. (laughs) And someone, I'm going to assume someone within this group, definitely moved it because it was moving around Mm. and we all freaked out and we threw it away and it was just it was one of those moments where it's just like why the fuck has this thing been in our house and where did you get this rum? where did it come from why is it so legit looking and not from target yeah so (laughs) again not that scary but just imagine if you were in your childhood home and you found like a creepy piece of something and it just happened to be there your whole life
2: oof wait what question did you guys ask and then it started moving
3: oh i don't i don't remember now i don't remember i think we might have asked it like an easy question just to see if it was true or not although i was looking this up yesterday and supposedly when there there's a group of people that have a specific answer to one of the questions like say a simple question you tend to start moving towards those letters But then if you were to blindfold the same group of people, you're not going to get the same letters out. So it's like a human nature thing or, you know, something on our subconscious mind or whatever it is that will, you know, move it um, without intending to. And I hope
2: that's true. (laughs) I I have some like commentary about this story, but I don't know if I should say it because it might get creepy.
1: Okay. Do it. Do it. What's the commentary? Everyone okay. leave now. But yeah. it's, what
2: is it? <laughs> I find it interesting that this board was found in Boston, which is your hometown. Cause I think not to scare anyone, but something I, I notice when I watch horror movies or like scary movies, the olden States have more rich history and more stories mm-hmm. that come out of it. So I feel like Boston, like a lot of like, there's like some, it,
3: it's, it's close it's, to Salem. Massachusetts, yeah, mm, yeah. Yeah.
2: Ah. So that, so it has a lot of history. So sometimes I'm just like, I don't know. Like, would you guys actually play a Ouija board amongst the three of us?
1: Hell no. I don't think so. I, <laughs> actually, no. I was I was going to ask Helen, you should ask like your sister and your cousin today and see if they remember mm. and see if either of them remembers moving the board. Because I'd be, I'd be, it'd Everyone be nice like... swearing by
3: it. They were like, definitely <laughs> not. Why would I do that? Why would I creep myself out? <sighs> and they were very honest. I, think, and I don't think anyone is lying. But again, mm. maybe it's that psychological thing where you unconsciously are doing pushing it pushing it yeah and oh yeah pushing it but who knows maybe
2: we should try it maybe
3: we should oh, make a reel man. out of it
2: maybe we should do it for halloween maybe not <laughs> that could be like a saturday activity night
1: on your backyard saturday please during okay. the day and not <laughs> <That's true.
2: laughs> not in not in my house
3: we'll yeah. do it like in a random faraway park that'd be creepier
1: Oh, my God. True. Mm. No, I, I don't fuck with the Ouija boards. So that scares me.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, Janet, I know you have a creepy college story.
1: Yeah. So when it comes to supernatural things, um, I think of all different horror type things like gore, guts, thriller, that kind of stuff. Supernatural freaks me out the most. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because there is some part of me that does, like, believe in spirits or things like that. So um, it to me, it, it doesn't seem far-fetched from reality. Um, and there has been one experience in my life that stands out that, um, I can remember where I feel like I had, it was either supernatural or if it was not supernatural, it's probably even scarier what could have been in reality. Um, but for anyone who attended UCSD, which is where I went to college, uh, I think today it's still open and available, but, um, it was well known that people like to go visit this place called the cliffs. It's a large cliff overlooking the ocean, and you get a view of the sunset, or if you're going later at night, you get a really beautiful, you know, clear view of the moon. Um, A guy that I was dating at the time, who we made a YouTube video with, actually, (laughs) um,
3: we decided... Does the name rhyme with best man. <laughs>
1: yeah. it, does. it does. Okay,
3: okay. Yes, we know. Um,
1: so him and I decided that we wanted to go and visit the cliffs at night. And this was past sunset. It was already dark. And we're like, oh, let's go like look at the moon. We'll sit there peacefully at the cliff and like hear the ocean and, and look at the moon. And to get to the location of the cliffs, you have to go through a residential area and you have to walk down the street. And then you come up on a gate, which goes into a dirt platform kind of like hill area. And there's a, there's one house that's right next to kind of like that open walkway, that dirt passage. And um, when you go through the gate, you have to walk alongside the house and like pass along the fence and the backyard. Well, as we approached the house, we started to hear like a muffled murmur sound and we got closer and actually like peeked over, like they had like a white fence and we peeked over the fence so that we could see the window into the house and a light, basically like suddenly turned off. And we heard the murmur again, except this time it was start- it started to like increase in urgency um, and frequency. And we walked along the side of the house. So like now approaching that dirt area. And it sounded like the muffled murmur was like following us. So first it was in the front of the house, the light turns off, and then we're going across the side to the hill. And it sounds like it's coming now against the side of the house. And the muffled murmur would like occasionally stop And then it would start again. And when it would start, it would get more and more urgent. And I remember turning to Wes and being like, what is that? Is that an animal? And this part still gives me chills down my side because I I couldn't see his face because it was dark, but I just remember he kind of like froze and his voice was like, that's not an animal. And I don't want to say what it sounds like. And I freaked out. I ran like out of the hill area back onto the street Um, Basically, the sound, it's not like a scream, but it's like if someone was trying to scream and someone else had their hand over their mouth and had their mouth covered. And that's what it it sounded like. So we went back to the car um, and we just like got into the car and we called campus police and campus police like it was actually kind of far away from UCSD's campus. But like they took a long time to get there. And we actually ended up deciding to just like go home first. It was getting so late and we never heard back from them or found out what that was. But to this day, that would like, that just freaks me out. Because I'm like, I don't know if it was a person. It didn't sound like an animal. It was either a supernatural thing or it was, I don't know. But. Uh. <laughs>
3: that's scary. Do you think there's a possibility that this house is annoyed that there are always so many people using or crossing oh, by their third yard
1: that they like free. Pull the Spooky system. Yeah. To like. Scare yeah. People? That's a very good guess of a possibility. Because um, that's something I, don't I would know. have done.
3: um does um your ex remember this story too do you talk about this
1: he does he does I've never I mean I think I haven't asked him about it in a long time but if when we see him next time we should talk about it he he will be freaked out too we both we were just like uh, we because we never figured out like what happened and they never Mm. told us and we just like never went back oh my gosh (laughs) that's That's hella creepy oh my god do you know which house
3: she's talking about Mel since you went to UCSD also
2: no i don't because i feel like i actually i'm afraid to go to those places at night so i would never have gone to the cliffs at that time i don't think i've been to the cliffs actually but it is weird it's so pretty during the day yeah (laughs) i feel like ucsd does have like creepy things around it though. Um, it's a
1: very large, sprawled out campus. It is, and and some of the buildings. I mean, it's still relatively young, I think, compared to like East Coast cities, right? But mm. um, I know, like the the apartment or like the student housing that I was in, it was like there was a war that happened. It was like fleets from the war or something. So, yeah, there's some kind of some history to it. But mm-hmm. <laughs> how about how about you, ladies? Any more like kind of like supernatural? Um, any, any experiences where you decided to go in the dark at night and happened upon something?
3: Yes. Okay. I will share one and I'll keep this kind of short because I get creeped out just thinking about it. (laughs) But this was when I was maybe a sophomore in high school and one of my friends had this great idea. I think it was around Halloween time because it was not too cold, but pretty cold. Um, and this idea was to go to an abandoned asylum in Rentham, Massachusetts. You can look it up. It's called the Rentham State Hospital. And it was a place that used to confine and treat or mistreat ill children.
2: <gasps> oh my gosh. Oh,
3: I oh, legit
2: God. just got chills down
1: Same, my leg. Down my spine. So, so bad, I got it down my so
3: spine. Bad. <laughs> so So... I don't know why the fuck I ever agreed to do this, but we had about six people with us. We parked our cars alongside the main road. It's one of those roads where, and like we've all driven by these roads before where you're driving down the road and then there's like this random dirt path and it's kind of lit up with like street lights, and you're just like, oh, I'm curious. Is that just someone's, some really rich person's house or what is that? What does it lead to? So it's one of those like creepy looking dirt roads, right? That you can't fully see down because it, it takes a turn. Um, so we got out of our cars, held each other in two rows. So three and three. We slowly walked in and this was like the longest dirt path it felt like to get through to where, you know, the main, the main like campus was. And the lights on either side of the road, they kept flickering on and off too. And I felt like it was flickering more off every time we like hit it. So almost like on beat, it was really creepy. And then once we got to the end of that road, it was an open field that was somewhat hilly with several brick buildings. Um, And some of the buildings, the windows were boarded up with red wood and all of the buildings were glowing in the moonlight. So you can kind of see it, but it's like this like creepy blue, like glaze over all of the buildings too. And again, I would never do or advise anyone (laughs) to do this because clearly it's also trespassing, right? But we would walk up to some of the buildings and if we were able to open the doors, we would go into them. There were rooms that had abandoned metal, like hospital beds, that were just like all over the like not in any specific order, but it was kind of just like chaotic in there. There are rooms with holes in the wall for I don't don't even want to say, but there were definitely like little like pitter patters that you could hear when you like really were quiet and try to listen. I'm like, okay, maybe they're rats. And then you hear just, like, high-pitched, like, eerie sounds. And we're like, okay, is there someone else in there? Because it could have been, you know, other kids that were, like, being quiet because they're freaked out. Or, like, a homeless person or someone saying in there. But you would always hear, like, these random little sounds everywhere. And it was very scary. (laughs) Very, very scary. Completely pitch dark in these places, too. So we had to, like, go by flashlight. Um, And after all that, we just, like, ran out. Because it was... Yeah. Don't want to talk about this too much anymore cuz it's it's very it's very vivid in my memory. Oh my um, god. And it was just that, that oh might be the scariest thing that I have ever done and I hate scary things and I mean young Helen was wild. Got it all on my <laughs> system. I would just I would never do that ever again. But it's still there I believe if uh mm. anyone in Massachusetts wants to Oh my god. To check it out.
2: I have a follow-up question for the both of you. Speaking of yeah. supernatural, do you guys actually believe in this stuff? I feel like I, I
3: kind of do, but I don't want to. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it, it scares me a lot because I kind of do. I don't think that every story is maybe the way that we interpret it, but I do believe that the root of all these – Yeah, like I, I guess more or less, yes, I do.
2: <laughs> hmm. Do you? Do you? I don't know. I feel like there is some truth to it. Um. I mean, I know people have said, like, for example, like, you know that thing, like, sleep paralysis or that thing when you feel like Mm. you can't get move. There are a lot of times where I feel like something's above me and it freaks me out. And I literally purposely shut. And I like shut my. Because I feel like there's like someone. I see a being and it's pushing me down. And that Mm. scares the crap out of me. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways.
3: uh, All right. Sounds like we're doing an ABG field trip to this. uh, (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
2: (laughs) Dude,
1: if you're down
3: no you know, trust me the three of us we could not handle this i don't think,
1: well, I don't uh, think we could even get like a mile within we're, the. Distance. we're asian
3: boss girls yes we are but not when it comes to uh scary things not this stuff yeah that's true we can barely get through a regular haunted house okay
2: so. <laughs> that's true actually i felt. i saw you guys show me the recordings from last year and you guys went to not scary farm I and mean, all i hear from you three and then Bill like, oh shit. shit he was like oh shit oh shit like i, I hear like the panic in all your voices yeah. <laughs>
3: Actually, what would be the order if we were to go into a haunted house?
1: Would Mel be in the Ooh. front? Oh, man. Uh, I think she. I feel like she would be. Mel might be in the front.
2: I th- I thought Helen would be. Mm, I'd be in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I actually feel like it's scarier to be in the back than the front, because things can yeah, fall.
3: Oh, I Same, agree. Same, agree.
1: same, same, same. Agree.
2: Oh. Yeah. Okay, we would just be side by side. Side by side.
1: <laughs> we need a very wide <laughs> maze.
2: <laughs> but if I had to choose... I would choose the front then, if not the back. I'll, I'll, I'll oh, set. if you had to choose one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, too. Like, so no one's in the back? <laughs> Crap. We should go and see how we survive. It's just a haunted oh, house.
1: Yeah. I'm curious for our listeners, if you were to go in on a three-person group, what position would you choose? Mm. Everyone's Do in you the same middle. First? Where everyone, well, middle is off off limits. So if you had to be in the front or you had to be in back. So I guess it could be any size group. Yeah, like which would you prefer? Let us know in the comments. I'm very curious. This is a really good question.
2: Okay, I definitely feel like the heebie-jeebies and really creeped out right now. So let's lighten this up. What are some moments when you look back and you're like, wow, did I really do that?
3: Yeah, so another travel-related story. When I was studying abroad in Melbourne, we went from Brisbane to Cairns, scuba-dived in the Great Barrier Reef, had one of the Whitsunday Islands, which just Google that. It is so freaking beautiful. We had one of those islands to ourselves, and um, it was like an insane MTV-worthy Spring break trip, and during one of the days we ended up skydiving in the morning. My first time, first and probably only time I will ever do that. And it's crazy how high up you go. There's there was a watch that my instructor had on, and basically because you can't really communicate when you're in this like airplane that is so loud that you can't really talk to each other. And basically he said that once the hand on this watch went all the way around, it was time to jump. And by the time we were above the clouds, which it's already really high up. His watch showed that we were only a quarter of the way up. So it was, it was like, scary that we were going that much further up into the sky. But it was exhilarating. It was so beautiful. We jumped over the Great Barrier Reef, and it was just, like,
1: oh, wow. the
3: best experience ever. It's so cool. Um, and then at nighttime, and this is, I guess, what adds to, like, moments of courage, we all ended up going to a bar um, that had bungee jumping in it. Basically, you could get drunk at the bar and then go and jump, which I've never heard of (laughs) anywhere else before. Usually I think it's a very sober activity, but I thought it was a great idea. I was like, oh yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you want to get some of those nerves out by drinking? Yeah. (laughs) And I was just like there and obviously you're waiting for people to go and then you wait your turn and I got pretty drunk, but I, you would just watch this other like wasted people went before you and this one girl went completely naked like (gasps) oh my god naked and from the bar they had this camera that would zoom into each person so that you could see your friends jumping and they would keep zooming in onto this girl (laughs) she chose to be naked because you were also able to extend your rope if you wanted to like the the distance that you would be dropping if you wanted to dip your body into the water there was like a body of water at the bottom so you could like jump in and extend it get completely soaked if you wanted to, which actually sounds really dangerous now, but she (laughs) did that. Um, I did not do that, by the way. (laughs) But when I went up there, I was in a good, I was like pretty drunk and like a very tipsy, happy mood. And then the moment you just start climbing up these stairs, you get dizzy because you're going around in a freaking circle over and over again until you reach the top. And I was getting so nervous There was just, like, so much anticipation all the way up to the top of the climb, and it it took me, like, 10 minutes at the top, which was so annoying for a lot of people, but I was just like, I want to walk back down, and obviously everyone's trying to talk me out of it, because, you are like, your life is dependent on this rope that's tied to your legs, and you're not going to feel any of that slack until you hit the very end, you know? So, I mean, obviously that is what bungee jumping is, but it was just a very scary, scary, yet exhilarating moment um and i don't think i like the experience and i would never do that again
1: so. did you did you jump off yourself or did someone have to push you off i jumped off myself you...
3: i think oh. i have a video i have like a i think i have a video somewhere where Wait, we need to watch I, this i know i need to find it <laughs> maybe share it on abg but oh my god um, yeah, so that was a crazy. That that was the craziest thing. That was the most extreme day that I've ever had. Skydiving in the morning, Damn, yeah. drunk
1: bungee jumping at night. <laughs> Again, college Helen, <laughs> she went all out. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is, uh, yeah, I, th- I feel like bungee jumping is one of those things where I don't think someone, like, it would take a lot for me to mm-hmm. to do that. I'm so, so freaked out by that. Somehow, hearing that you did skydiving and bungee jumping one day doesn't surprise me. About- <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like you have a little bit of a, like, thrill seekerness in you. Yeah, it's been a while since we've <laughs> seeked that thrill. <laughs>
2: so- <laughs> I'm surprised because the fact that you drank, I'm like, I would have just, like, as they pushed me off, I would have, like, threw up.
1: <laughs> that's true. You that's know? yeah.
3: I don't know why it's a thing. No, it's like a full
1: ass bar at the bottom. Maybe, so I'm like Isn't this
3: a really bad idea
1: actually? Maybe it means that you'll be more like you go with the flow in your body. Like when you're Yeah, drunk, but your you body you your body is getting
3: like slanged around and <laughs> That's not good for the stomach. No. Yeah, because yeah. if
1: you resist it, if you resist it, you get more tension. Kind of like in a car accident. Right. The best ways to just kind true. Of, so maybe so they're you, like just get it. drunk and then you. Yeah, let. Yeah, yeah.
3: It was in an area that
1: had a lot of spring
3: break goers, so mm. I'm sure it like attracted the party scene.
2: I mean, and the girl's did. naked. I'm assuming I'm assuming it was a crazy <laughs> yeah. night.
3: Yeah. All right, Janet. I want to hear your story about conquering a fear. Also.
1: Oh my gosh. So unlike Helen, I'm. I feel like I'm the opposite of a thrill seeker. Like. I have no desire to jump out of a plane or especially bungee jumping or any of those things. Um, And even with, like, sports and, like, activities, I feel like I prefer the more tame things. Like breath work. Yeah, breath work, right? And yoga. (laughs) (laughs) It has – it's intense in its own way, but definitely not, like, thrill-seeking or things that I feel like are – or outright like potentially dangerous, but when I was living in San Francisco, um, there was one year when we went up to Tahoe, and you know we had like a snowboarding trip. Very common, right? I mean, even snowboarding to me was like a little bit like it's a bit of a strenuous, you know, kind of dangerous sport or whatever. Um, I have only gone a couple of times in my life, and I'm pretty amateur. But generally, like, I can kind of at least like make my way down moderate hills. So this one trip we went and we got there and we, you know, started going down the runs and got through like half the or like, I guess we got there a little later. So we spent through like half the day and had got a couple of hours of really good runs in and I was having fun. I was with my friend Kristen again (laughs) and um, near the end of the day, they were about to close and Kristen and I were like, let's just do one more run. So we get on the lift and we land at this hill that we haven't done before So it's a new one and we start going down it and slowly a little ways in, I start to notice like, huh, why does this one feel a little more steep and challenging than the other ones? And then we kept going and suddenly it got really, really steep and there were rocks like everywhere. Like so you have to be able to like navigate around the rocks. And we realized once we were too far into the run to be able to go back up that we accidentally went down a black diamond run. And <laughs> I'm extremely amateur with snowboarding. Like, I can stand on the board and I can go down some of the bunny slopes. But this was, like, terrifying. And we tried go- – I was kind of like, okay, fine. Like, worse comes worse. I, like, concede. I just go on my butt and I can, like, slide down on my butt down the, the slope, Right. Well, no, it's actually really dangerous because there's a lot of rocks along the way and you can't like even going on your butt and your mittens. It's like really hard to go down. And at this point, they were near closing. So it was starting to get dark and then actually started to like snow. (laughs) And we we just kept kind of making our way down. And seriously, like about 45 minutes in, we're like, we're still not at the end. It's still like super steep down. We're like, I don't want to be one of those people, but we think we probably should like call call someone for help. Um, And then we realized, like, neither of us had cell service. So that's when I started to really, like, I started panicking because I felt like, oh, my God, this is so bad. We're stuck. It's, like, dark now. It's, like, really, really cold. And we just kept kind of, like, going down slowly. And we finally – I remember when we made it down, we're like – I was like, fuck this. I'm never going to snowboarding again. But so I feel like that wasn't – it was, like, an involuntary having to, like, deal with my fear. I feel like I didn't really have a choice but to make it down that mountain. But, yeah, next time as a warning for anyone – Make sure you look and know what hill you're going down when you're going either skiing or snowboarding. Oh, my
2: God. That sounds like my nightmare. (laughs) I don't do any snow sports. I'm
1: so afraid. Yeah, I, yeah. It was fun until that happened.
3: (laughs) Holy crap. It is kind of crazy that you have no, like, emergency... Like, yeah. access or a way to call someone for help when you're stuck on the mountain. I'm sure, like, at the end of the day, th- someone is going down from the top bottom just to make sure everyone is safe and everyone is gone. Um, but that is, yeah, to not know if that was going to happen or not is, yeah. is
1: very scary. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you all so much for joining us on today's episode. It was definitely a creepy one. We shared some scary experiences that we've had and knock on wood, luckily survived and hopefully will never happen again. Uh, we're curious about your scary stories. However you define scary. If you have a story, leave it in the comments of our Instagram post.
3: Before we end today, we want to let you all know that we've started new mini podcast shows that now release every Tuesday. Tune in to K-Dreaming
2: with Mel, Living Well with Janet, and Spill the Baby Tea with Helen. Each
1: week we'll release a new episode from one of the shows right here on the Asian Boss Girl feed. So be sure to tune in to us on Tuesdays and Thursdays from now on
2: like to send a shout out to a friend check out our link tree in our link in bio and click on shout outs and last but not least thank you to our super talented editor michelle for working all
1: her magic on our episodes including this one and with that we'll catch you all in the next episode Bye. bye